0: Welcome to Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics See how you can get involved in support throughout All ages 15:30 apologetics by visiting throughout com. That's throughout com. <laughs> Joe. Where is that magnifying glass?
1: How you doing today? This is Joe with 1530 Apologetics, and we're here to intellectually think about who we are. And does it make sense as we weigh it out with truth? We're going to look at history, science, archaeology, and philosophy. And as we look at the reality that we live in, let's weigh out our worldview and see if it makes sense. Today, our conversation, we're going to talk about a topic that a lot of people have been declaring over the last, especially the last two decades, is, who are you to judge me? Or, no, I can't judge no one. So I want to start here. As men and women made in the image of God, we find ourselves judging from the moment we wake up out of bed. We judge our thoughts to see if they are consistent. We look at the dog or the cat to verify if this is what we actually see. Is is this our dog? Is this our cat? We judge the coffee we made this morning. Does it taste the same as the day before? Questions from our loved one is judged continuously and sometimes asked again throughout the day. Was it consistent? Was it true? Did it make sense? Whether we are aware of it, our minds are judging everything around us, every single moment and every single day. When we go to our first parents, Adam and Eve, that they begin to have to make a judgment call between right and wrong. Obedience or rebellion was on full display You see, the Lord had told them in Genesis 2.16, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, ye shall not eat it. For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. This was the first great covenant transaction between God and man. I want to give a full account of what the Bible has to say. About judgment the Bible talks about one man's disobedience that was Adam that many were made sinners and even so through the obedience of one Jesus Christ that many <clears throat> will be made righteous here we understand the headship of man the parents of a human family the human race That man governed the whole human race. And so whatever the man did would pass on to the next generation and to the next and to the next. Now we knew, or they knew, Adam and Eve, that they were in direct violation of the law of God. And he was a sinner. And God said, For dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. So from the very beginning of mankind, there was a consequence for sin. And that consequence will show up as baggage in our life or in the life of those closest to us. But we will see that ripple effect even go out to our neighbors. Now as we look at the sons of Adam and Eve, it says that Cain murdered his brother and that his countenance fell, and God told him, "Listen, Cain, if you do well genesis four seven you will not will you not be accepted, but if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. You know every one of us sin lies at the door, and it was ready there to deceive us, to trick us. It tells us the old serpent Satan." comes to rob, kill, and destroy? And have you noticed the culture today? They want to say things like, unless you are a woman, who are you to judge me and tell me I can't have an abortion? If you've never been a drunk, who are you to tell a drunk how he should live? And the college campuses have a majority of students buying in to this ideology. Finally, we have the crowd in the world and even inside the church that says, don't judge me. Or the Christian that looks with this little smug look on his face and says, no, I don't judge other people. Who am I to judge people? Well guess what? If you're an atheist, a skeptic, and have no objective truth, then it's your opinion. And it's against anybody else's opinion. And I understand that. But if you're going to adapt that worldview, remember, every time you make a wrong or right judgment call on your relationship, on your children, or about society, you are actually jumping onto the Christian worldview. Now, as a Christian, we need to recognize that we are in violation of God's commandment that you were dead in your trespasses and sins. In other words, there is no compensation to pay for your sins. You understand that Jesus has paid it in full at the death, burial, and the resurrection. It is at this time your eyes are open, your mind is renewed, and the relationship you have with God is based on truth, and that truth comes from Jesus. Jesus. Now it's in this position that God and his word now tell us to be aware. Be aware of who we are and our surroundings. It tells us in Hebrews 5.13 when it's talking about Christians. For everyone who partakes only of milk, and so milk he's using as a young Christian in Christ. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice had their senses trained to discern good and evil. Because of practice, they had their senses trained to discern good and evil. Now this training needs to take place. And let me remind you, this is to discern good and evil, diametrically opposed to each other. That this word discern, the definition is the faculty of the mind for perceiving and understanding and judging. Why? Because God is saying in his word, those who are babes in Christ, those who are newbies in Christ, are not used to discerning good and evil, wrong and right. As they begin to read God's word, a process begins to develop. The young Christian will begin to understand she needs to develop these skills. You know, Jesus told us that we do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. He tells it to every Christian That we're to judge with righteous judgment. The question is, how do we get a discerning of righteous judgments? Well, here I have put in three categories of some absolute truths that we can judge by. And we can know that they are true. Now, whether you're a newbie or a mature Christian, you will have to be established in this foundational truth. For instance, we know that the Ten Commandments are absolute. That we know that if a man lies, steals, cheats, or murders, or if he's committing adultery, these things are wrong. Now, there is a difference between homicide murder and premeditated murder. Premeditated murder is if you just write out, knew you are going to kill someone and you kill him. Sometimes it could be that a, a child is conceived in the belly of the mother, and she aborts it, that is murder in God's eyes. There is no way out of that. When we talk about adultery, that we know that adultery is wrong, unless someone has went out on the man and woman they're married to, then God says that they can have a divorce because of adultery. So number two, there are fundamental truths about who we are as human beings made in the image of God. You see, Jesus told us in the first century, he says, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning, very beginning, made them male and female? So here Jesus is taking us all the way back to the beginning of the Bible when God created Adam and Eve. And he said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. And so we see that Jesus wants to make a fundamental truth here. And he takes it all the way back to the beginning of the word of God. And we're going to see the Bible do this over and over again. And Jesus goes on to say, so they are no longer two but one flesh and what therefore God has joined together let no man separate Matthew 19:4 You see the man and the woman were created to sustain life on earth and to become one and what God had joined together let no man separate From the beginning God made this clear and Jesus confirmed this 2500 years later This was not just about two individuals. This was a fundamental truth. We can know this for certainty. Nowhere in the whole of the Bible does God or Jesus ever direct individuals, men with men or women with women, to become one in a covenant agreement of marriage. We are told in Matthew 19 that the disciples were dismayed that God That God never intended men and women to divorce except for committing adultery. And they said it's better not to marry at all. And Jesus looks at him and says, well, if you're going to feel that way then, I want you to know there are eunuchs who were born that way from their mother's womb. And there are eunuchs who were made eunuchs by men. And there are eunuchs who did it for the kingdom of God. Now, if you're going to choose one of those, that's fine, but that'll be up to you. I prefer you to get married. Come with us to the second part as we talk about do not judge one another. This is Joe with 1530 Apologetics, and we'll see you in the second half.
0: Don't go away because there is much more to come with Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics on K Praise.
1: Throughout All Ages Ministry, 1530 Apologetics goes into the public high school to build up the student's character, to intellectually think about their worldview and weigh it with truth. Studies show 75-85% to of all college students who grew up in a Christian home are walking away from their faith. For more information about 1530 Apologetics, go to ThroughoutAllAges.com.
0: Join Creation Fellowship Santee's Apologetics Speaker Series, Thursdays at 6.30 p.m. via Zoom. 1 Peter verse 3, Chapter 15 says, To always be ready to give a reason for the hope that we have. Creation Fellowship Santee's brand name Apologetic Speakers will do just that. Equip you with the knowledge and tactics to explain your Christian faith. Get equipped Thursday nights at 6.30. Learn more on Facebook and YouTube at Creation Fellowship Santee or email CreationFellowshipSantee at gmail.com. Welcome back to Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics. And now, here's your host, Joe Kaona on K-Praise.
1: Hi, how you doing? This is Joe with Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics. I'm glad you could join us on the second part as we talk about, don't judge me. What God was saying is that it was the rebellion or the hardness of men's heart that God allowed divorce. Now, he never condoned it, but he allowed it. He went on to tell his disciples, that is Jesus. If you are saying it's better not to get married, well, the real reason I think you're doing this is because you're used to the, the traditions of men. You see, in your community, you would divorce a woman because of discomfort. Maybe she didn't cook right. Maybe she didn't look right. Maybe she wasn't listening too well. And so you wanted just to get rid of her on a scroll of divorce. And Jesus was saying, listen, that was because of the hardness of your heart. But I want you to see that Jesus took this all the way back to the beginning of the Bible. And we can see the same thing about adultery. You know, you always have people saying, well, Jesus never mentioned homosexuality in the Bible, in the New Testament. He never said anything himself. But I want you to see this fundamental truth about adultery that goes back to the Ten Commandments of not only Exodus, but Genesis. And it tells us this in 1 Corinthians 6.16. Do you not know that the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one body with her? For he says, the two shall become one flesh. So where does he get that verse from? Where does he get that saying from, the two shall become one flesh? That goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 2, about the man and the woman. And here in 1 Corinthians 6, it says, if anyone gives himself to a prostitute, or in sexual immorality. That you become one with that person. The two becomes one flesh. But it goes on to say, but the one who joins himself to the Lord is one in spirit. And then it goes on to say in verse 18, flee immorality. It's actually saying flee sexual immorality. Immorality. You see, every other sin that a man commits is outside the body. But the immoral man sins against his own body when he does sexual immorality. And so we have to see that the two become one flesh. That they're talking about adultery here is actually sexual immorality. And just as Sodom and Gomorrah, it tells us in Jude 1.7, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they in the same way indulge in gross immorality and went after strange flesh, are exhibited as an example and undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. You see, this sexual immorality is talking about Sodomite women on women, strange flesh, bestiality, pedophilia, and all sexual immorality. Which goes back to the sixth commandment, that thou shalt not commit adultery. Any sexual immorality is adultery in the worst kind because you do it against your own body, your own body in a type of prostitution. Another fundamental truth is the headship or leadership of the family. Was to have an order, and the order was to be God, Christ, man, women, and children. These are fundamental truths that there is an order that we have here on earth. And that's why it tells us in 1 Corinthians 11.3. But I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man and that the man is the head of the woman, and that God is the head of Christ. So here is another verse I want you to discern and pay attention to, because the culture will quibble about its authority. Listen what it says here. Not only do we have this order that takes place, but then it goes on to say in 1 Timothy 2.12 to define it even more. He says, Paul says, I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. For it was Adam who was first created. Where is is Paul taking us? Back to the beginning of the fundamental truths. For it was Adam who was first created. And it was Adam who was not deceived. But the woman being deceived fell into transgression. So we see in this verse that Paul makes the connection, as Jesus did, going back to the beginning, and what God has joined together, let no man separate. But Paul is laying out a fundamental truth, that the headship of a man is nothing new. Paul goes on to say that Adam was created first, and Eve was his helper, a helpmate. Then he says Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. Now they both fell into sin, but Adam did it knowingly. Eve was deceived. But we see the fundamental truths going back to the beginning of the Bible. Another fundamental truth is the biological sex of a man or a woman, that this is their true identity, that it is through sin confusion, dysphoria, the culture that the human clashes runs against these fundamental truths that God has laid down in Scripture. And then we get a gray area that God gives us. In this gray area, it goes on to say this in Galatians 5.13, For you were called to freedom, brethren, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity to sin in the flesh. But through it, love and serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, is that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. It goes on to tell us in these gray areas that all things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything or brought under the power of, of anything, so these are areas where we go to church, We're, what church do we go to? our friends, how do we dress? what movies and how can we act towards friend? Um, there's a long list of gray areas that God gives us, but at the end of the day, guys, there are these truths that we need to consider, that we need to judge rightly because they're in the Word of God. Now, I want to go to Matthew 7, because everyone talks about Matthew 7. And it tells us this, Do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged, and by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. And why do you look at the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the big log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite, Jesus says. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So let's go through this, because this is the verse that everyone always memorizes. Do not judge. So it says, do not judge so that you will not be judged. Now, most people memorize this verse, and a lot of Christians stop right on this verse and think the scripture is telling us not to judge anyone. And the verse goes on to say on verse 2, For in the way you judge, you will be judged, and by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Jesus is saying don't fall into the trap of becoming haughty towards someone else's lifestyle and how they live and how they act. Don't sit there and pound on your chest and say, I'm glad I'm not like them. This is an immature Christian. The Bible talks about pride before a fall, that the tongue is hard to tame. And the verse goes on to say, and this is key, that why do you look at the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? So here the Bible is telling us, listen, when we look at other people, that we're not to get so prideful that we're looking at what they, how they live, that they shouldn't be doing this, that they shouldn't be living this way. And all the meanwhile, we're not even looking at ourselves. So Jesus goes on to say, why do you look at the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. But then listen to this. He says, First, take the, the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So many of us read this scripture or hear a sermon, and the first thing we want to do is point it to someone else. We want to point it to, Yeah, I hope that, I wish that person heard this sermon. But you know, the Bible tells us that we're to look at us first. That we're to consider who we are. That me and you are nothing outside of Christ. We're just like anybody else outside of Christ. That in gentleness and in fear, and sometimes a bit stern, we can ask the question, when would it be a good time to talk to them? When would it be appropriate time to tell a stranger he needs Jesus. And we continually, and as we continually pull this log out of our eyes, we can take the stake out of our brother's eye. Remember, we need to first take this log out of our eyes, and then the Bible says that we can righteously judge as we begin to talk to people. And this is why we started off with the verse in the very beginning of Hebrews 5, that God God tells every man that they need to judge righteously. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. And so every one of us needs the practice to discern good and evil. I hope you come back with us. This is Joe with 1530 Apologetics. And we'll see you next week with Throughout All Ages. Have a good day.
0: That's a take. And this has been Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics. You can learn more about your host, Joe Gaona. How to support and get involved with 1530 Apologetics by visiting throughoutallagesministries.com.